you have to become Jewish to become a Christian? Well, that's a good question, but it's answered today as we study the book of Acts chapter 15. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Ember. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible. We call it the Word of God. The 66 books written by the 40 authors over 1,500 years, all with the same theme. Now, that's going to be interesting. We'll talk about this in about probably five minutes. Right now, let's listen to Ryan because he has something to tell us. All right, well, today I'm looking at the life of the former Pharisee and murderer of Christians, Paul the Apostle. Yeah, very good. Look forward to that, Janice. Just one word, conflict. All right, very good, conflict. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. Pastor John Williamson is here. We're going to continue with your story about the church. Looking forward to it. It's going to be good in Canada. So right now, let's open up our Bible and listen to what God is saying to us as we look at Acts chapter 15. Acts 15, 13 through 29. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, 
and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Acts chapter 15, verses 13 through 29. Acts chapter 14 and 15. That's what we read today as we go through the Bible. I'm very excited because uh, as we go through the Bible, we're, we're coming closer to the end. And I'm, I've got some exciting things to share with you regarding Revelation. Uh, people don't teach on that book. And we're going to teach on that book. It's going to be very good. You know, many, they don't consider what the Bible says when they go to church. Really? People interact with each other as friends. And they consider that fellowship. But fellowship has more to do with spiritual knowledge and experience than most realize. When we have friends, we talk to them about relatable or fun things. But when we have spiritual friends, we can talk to them about the things that matter most. How Jesus Christ is helping us through our troubles. Prayer requests for those in need. Praise reports and more. Fellowship is not just getting together to talk with each other as friends. And in the book of Acts, the 12 apostles changed that direction when they accepted and brought the Gentiles into the church. Now, God had already adjusted the group of his followers by introducing the ecclesia, which is translated in English, church, Matthew 16, 18. The Lord even said that nothing would be able to stop the work of the church because the church is from God. It's not defined by the state. It's not defined by the government. It's not defined by anything except the spirit of God in the hearts of people because the real church is the people. Isn't that interesting? All right. So, you know, let's get a hold of that because that's important. Now, let's Take your Bible guide out and turn to today's passage. It's important. If you don't have a Bible guide, we'll send it to you. Just call us or write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV. And thanks for your donations. They really help us out during this time as well. So what you want to do is turn to that passage and we're going to talk about the church's mandate from Acts chapter 15, beginning with verse 13. Father, help us today to hear you. And let us read from your word and listen to what you're saying to us now. Help us to hear what you've said from the scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're going to look at the scripture. We're not looking at church ecclesia or anything. We're looking at the scripture. And here's what the scripture says in Acts chapter 15, verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visit the Gentiles to take out them or to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. So that the rest of mankind, the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by name, says the Lord, who does all these things known to God from eternity are all his works. 
Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues and every Sabbath. Very interesting. Listen carefully. James says the Gentile converts need only fulfill the work of Christ, not the law. The church is powerful because of the work of the Holy Spirit, period. That's it. The church is powerful because of the name of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not powerful because of us. Somebody said to me, I'm, I'm going to find a church that doesn't have any people in it that need help. I said, well, good luck because there's never a church like that. <laughs> because everywhere you find it, you need help, I need help, so you're going to ruin it. That's what the church is like. It's a rescue center. And we come together to worship and fellowship with the Lord. And fellowship with each other, by the way. Acts chapter 15, verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men from their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Bersabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cecilia. Greetings. Now, this is important. Remember that James advised that they write a letter to the Gentile believers. This is an established letter in the word of God. The mandate for the church is created in this letter until Christ returns. That's it. You can have church doctrine all over the left, right, center, and everything else. But this is the doctrine. This is the teaching that we need to follow from the Bible. And the, you know, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit translates the Bible for us. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, we read the Bible, we say, Lord, help us to read this. And as we read it with patience, we read it, we begin to hear the Holy Spirit and he translates it correctly if our hearts are right. Father, make our hearts right. Very interesting. All right, let's go further because the scripture tells more. Acts chapter 15, verse 24. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law. To whom we gave no such commandment. We didn't command that. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, 
and from things strange and from sexual morality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. There it is. The letter from the council states that what the Holy Spirit says is critical. You see, self-control in a believer is a key aspect of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we need to understand that. Self-control is a key aspect of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we are under God's control when we become Christians or people of the way. May the Lord help us to hear what he says today, Father, in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord. He said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and today's reading is Acts chapters 14 and 15. And one of the most prevalent figures in Acts is the Apostle Paul. So I thought it would be a good idea to trace the history of this man's incredible journey. Now, of course, before he met Jesus Christ, he was a Pharisee who was called Saul of Tarsus, and he was on a mission to slaughter all those of the way, which is what Christianity was called at that time. But Saul had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ that completely changed his life forever. Paul the Apostle, though Jewish both by race and religion, was a citizen-born resident of the Greco-Roman city of Tarsus, which was by Paul's own description no insignificant city. Indeed, Tarsus was the capital of Cilicia and was a major city in Paul's time, probably boasting a population of half a million. Significantly, it was a university city, which ultimately surpassed even Athens and Alexandria. It had a level of political independence, and as a port city, was a major center of trade. Indeed, Tarsus was best known for its Sicilium, a cloth woven from the hair of black goats, used in the making of the famous black tents of Tarsus. It is no surprise, therefore, that Paul's trade as a resident of this city was a tent maker. Tarsus was undoubtedly a part of the Greco-Roman world in which Rome governed but where Greek culture pervaded. Even the Romans were Hellenized as they were greatly influenced by Greek art, philosophy, dress, athletics, and religion. Interestingly, Paul was both a citizen of Tarsus and Rome, two distinct and very privileged positions, suggesting that he was from a wealthy and influential family. Yet Paul primarily regarded himself as a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees, the strictest of all the sects of Judaism. Thus Paul, theologically, would not allow himself to be Hellenized. Still, writes Robert E. Piccarelli, although not Hellenizing in religion, even as a Jew, Paul's background was in a Hellenistic world. As a Greek-speaking native citizen of busy Tarsus and mighty Rome, his outlook could not help being affected. There is clear evidence of that effect in the picture of Paul we get in Acts and in his writings. He knew and quoted Greek poets, he obviously enjoyed the Greco-Roman athletic games, and used them often as illustrations in his letters. As a committed Jew, young Paul left Tarsus for Jerusalem to become a rabbi. 
He studied under Gamaliel, and according to Paul's own account, he excelled in Judaism beyond many of his contemporaries. Indeed, he became a respected rabbi and might have even been a member of the Sanhedrin. Paul would eventually even come to be the driving force behind the very first persecution of the church. However, while on his way to Damascus, the one whom he was persecuting dramatically confronted him, asking Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It was this encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ that began to turn this murderer into a missionary. He had come to persecute Jesus' name, but he would leave to bear it. Indeed, though unbeknownst to Paul, he, with his Greco-Roman background and his training in the scriptures, was God's chosen missionary to the Gentiles. In fact, almost half of the New Testament canon is attributed to Paul, and he was so influential that besides Jesus, he is the one credited with the establishment of Christianity. You know, Paul's encounter with Jesus Christ and his conversion is truly amazing. But what's even more exciting to me is that this sort of stuff is still going on today. Now, while people may not have had as a dramatic encounter as Paul did, I have heard a lot of testimonies of people having visions of Jesus Christ, and it changes everything for them because they have finally come to the knowledge that Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through him. And why can't we get to God without Jesus? Well, because of our sin. Our sin is what separates us from God, and there is not a person on earth who is without sin. And the penalty for sin, even just one sin, is death. But that's why God came himself in the flesh as Jesus, Jesus Christ and lived that perfect life that none of us could and then gave himself for us as a perfect sacrifice to pay for sin. Now all we have to do is trust in Jesus' work on the cross and that it's his blood and righteousness that makes us right before God. I'm out of time for now, but for more, I really recommend that you read the book of Romans, which was penned by Paul. There he presents the gospel very, very clearly. That's right. The Romans road is very important and the Bible is 66 books. So that's a really good idea. Janice? Ryan, you are right. Every single one of us sin and there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves from that sin. And I, I wanted to talk about conflicts because, because we have sin, because we're human. Are we going to have conflicts in our life? Absolutely, we are going to have conflicts in our life. Are we going to have conflicts within the church? Pastor John, I would think you would say, yes, we are going to have conflicts within the church. We see that in Acts chapter 15. There's conflicts going on here. And the Jerusalem council made up of apostles and elders are gathering together to discuss it. And James stands up and he begins a dialogue on, on some of the things that they need to consider and to put into writing and take it around to the various churches. I'm not going to get into that, but I do wanna stress that James, the brother of Jesus, has a book by his name in the Bible. It's the book of James. And if you're new to the Bible, it's a wonderful chapter to read. It is talking so much about humanity, talking about the way that we should be living if we are followers of Jesus Christ, and we're not going to get it right all the time. And aren't we so glad that God, that Jesus Christ has amazing grace with us. That grace is not so that we can take advantage of his grace, but his grace is understanding that he knows our weaknesses. And as we follow him, he will help us to overcome those things. Some of the things that James says in his book, so then my beloved brethren, and this is so important, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, 
slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And James has a whole lot more in his book that is coming up that we'll be studying, but uh, just that Very today. Interesting. Very Conflict. Good. Thank you, Janice. Uh, we need to talk to Pastor John. We We've, you've been saved in a cloakroom. You've gotten involved in a church, done a great job handed your uh, offices away, you're concerned because it, did you do something wrong, Lord? No. Now the pastor calls you and says, come over here. I'm going to open up an office in Canada. Pick it up. Well, from that point in time, what is critical in our lives is a lot of times we want to do something and ask God's blessing instead of getting God's blessing and then doing what he asked you to do. Uh, Christine and I went to prayer First and foremost, prayer and the Word of God. We had the confirmation in our heart. We said yes to our pastor. We set things in motion. But when God's doing something in your life, you get challenges. Just like we have heard, there's some opposition that comes up against you. So, of course, we had to apply for immigration to come to Canada. So we had gone through all of the uh, paperwork, the application, uh, all of the health checks, everything that we needed uh, to do. Uh, we applied and we got turned down. One you time. Turned down. Turned down. Can't go. We reapplied again. Turned down. Second time. Second time. Reapplied again the third time. Turned down. Three times. Turned Three times. Down. But what was amazing was when we received the letter of the third time that we were turned down, they were having our going away party at the church. Oh, oh timing. Talk about what you... walking oh. in faith and trusting the Lord. Now, Christine and I, my wife, never said anything to anybody. Not one word. We just went through with the party as if everything was good. And of course, uh, we had this letter. We called up the consulate general uh, where the office was in Belfast and said, look, we've got this letter third time and it says, please do not reapply. You know, what, what do we do here? And um, now to get an appointment was a difficult thing. But the uh, general simply just said, look, I don't have any time, but if you come and see me on my lunch break, this is amazing. I mean, this is God at work. Yeah. And uh, so I go in uh, on his lunch break. And as I go into the office, of course, at that time, there's a lot of trouble in Northern Ireland at the time. Bulletproof, everything, security to get through. And there's this uh, bulletproof glass. And, uh, and he sort of looks at me like this here. And he says, come on, son. Again, I was still young. <laughs> and he said, let's see what we can do to get you into Canada. And uh, then they worked out some strategies and points and regarding a secular job and uh, a sponsor. And the good thing was Christine had an uncle here in Canada. And because of that, and some things that we didn't know about, they were able to arrange for us to make it to Canada. So thank God we held on to so our how faith. So how long you were there? How long was it before you actually flew out? This was about from the, uh, well, the process probably took uh, several months. Yeah. But the fact was, it was about three months before we knew that we had the okay to come because we, we moved here in October of 1970. 
eight. It was just a miracle of God. Now, we could have given up the first time. We could have given up the second time. We could have given up the third time. And that's why it's critical. Precious one, hold on to the Lord and trust Him. Don't just give in. Too often we give in and give up too easily. But why were we so secure in our faith? Because we knew that we had spent time in the presence of God. We had heard from God. We didn't hear from man. Man was the confirmation of what we had heard from God. I knew in my heart that God was going to do something. He was preparing me. I didn't know what it was, but he used our pastor to open up, as it were, the door for us to go through it, and God blessed it. And that brought us to Canada. So you got to Canada. Where did you live? Well, Stratford Stratford is where we first, first, and the first thing we did, we got involved again in the church. (laughs) But you were working a secular job. Working in a secular job. You, you, You need to be in God's house. You know, you can't get, you know, Going to church isn't what saves you, but let me tell you, it goes a long way to helping. <laughs> yes. You know, and people for, people forget that. They say, I don't need the church. I would argue that. Yes, you do. We, we need that fellowship. Yes. We need to hear testimonies like this uh, as to how God brought me in my journey so that it can inspire somebody in their journey. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to put your faith into operation. Okay. So it was great. It, uh, so tomorrow on the program, because we only have 30 seconds left, but tomorrow on the program, you bought a church that was no longer in service. You dismantled it. Right. You put it back together over on your property. How did you get that property? How the church built? How long did that take? That's a lot of work. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to tell that story tomorrow, and we have two more days. You're going to tell that story tomorrow, and then we're going to talk about the recent church, how that all started. So seven years to build. So anyway, all that's coming up on the next program. So tell your friends and everything. It's coming. It's coming. We're going to get to it. All right. So we'll talk to you on the next program about that right now. Let's get to the prayer time. I want to remind you as we come off of our prayer time in the program, we're going to pray again in a moment, but we have a prayer meeting Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30. And that's important. It's an hour long. And you can also go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, Facebook, and YouTube, and we're live. And we'll pray for you. Today, let's pray on the program and say it this way. Lord, help me to hear your voice. Help me to follow your commands. In the name of Jesus Christ, 